Hello and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, my colleague Tristan Scott returns to talk about his cover story, This Land is Whose Land, and he'll break down the staggering land purchase he broke earlier this month, a purchase that prompted this week's story. Tristan's news was that a Texas billionaire couple had bought more than 125,000 acres of land that includes the Hubbard Reservoir, a purchase that immediately drew fears from conservationists and recreationists that public access could be limited on the property. In just a minute, you'll hear Tristan explain what the worst-case scenario is that some Montanans still fear, how public access has been preserved on land despite the fact that it's long been in private hands, what could be done to keep the land from major development in the future, and what the new owners have said their plans for the sprawling property involve. After that conversation, stick around for a rundown of the biggest news stories you may have missed from the last seven days. But first, a reminder that this podcast and all of the work we produce at the Flathead Beacon is made possible in part by members of the Beacon Editors Club. Club members pay as little as $5 per month to put their support behind all of our work, and they're eligible for some great perks, too. Find out more or join the club today by visiting beaconeditorsclub.com. And I am joined today by the Flathead Beacon's assistant managing editor, back for another visit to our podcast studio, Tristan Scott. Tristan, thank you very much for stopping by once again. Good to be here. So we are here to chat about this week's cover story. It is This Land is Whose Land it is a fascinating and really well done look at a very large issue that, that concerns residents of the Flathead Valley and throughout Montana when it comes to land ownership and conservation. But the story was generated because of something you wrote two weeks back, and it was about a major private land acquisition. So why don't we start there? What happened that first got you on to a story like this? Right. So th this land is whose land obviously asks a very broad question. And in, in the Western U.S., you know, where so much of, uh, of land is under this you checkerboard ownership, parcels owned by the state, the federal government and private entities. But what got me thinking about this was news that broke about a wealthy Texas couple who purchased a large swath, about 126,000 acres of former timberland. And it was it was timberland that was has been owned by a succession of companies. And that succession had had really picked up pace in recent years where multiple companies had sort of been selling this off and and every time there was a new sale it called into question well what's going to happen with this timberland is it going to be managed for for lumber production is it going to be chopped up and sold off for real estate development is it uh is it going to be sold off you know wholesale and um and somebody builds some sort of high ticket ranch on it so there were all these questions, and then news broke that this uh, billionaire Texas couple, Mark and Robin Jones, who have been been building other properties, been been constructing a home up on Big Mountain Road near Whitefish Mountain Resort, uh, and so it raised a lot of eyebrows. And even before the Flathead Beacon broke news of the sale, there had been lots of talk in the sort of fish and game community 
there was a citizens advisory community where lots of people had been talking about this rumor that they heard that a billionaire Texas couple had swooped in and bought up all this land. Well, it turned out to be true. But behind that is, you know, what uh, after we after we talked to the Joneses, we learned that they actually have pretty good intentions and that that everybody's sort of worst worst case scenarios and worst fears uh, might not be realized. But of course, we don't know that we're, you know, we're, we're take these are this is private property. It's always been private property. But again, every time it changes hands, it calls into question what what the intent of that new owner is going to be. So that that's why we decided to to call the cover story whose land is it or this land is whose land, because it really raises that that question. Let's go back to that, that the Joneses purchase and those early rumors and, and days after it, it became clear that, that this was true and had happened. For those who are maybe unfamiliar, what was the fear? What, what, did, what is the worst case scenario? What did people think it meant that a, a billionaire Texas couple had came in and, and bought up this huge piece of property? Right. Yeah. What 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 implications does this have on your average, you know, northwestern Montana family? Because 126,000 acres, it might that it's on a scale that's hard to fathom, but it's a lot of land. It's a it's a huge amount of land that runs from basically south of Marion near Hubbard Reservoir, which is, you know, this big, you know, 470 acre impoundment that was built. I don't know when. And it runs all the way to the Flathead Indian Reservation south and then east to Lake Mary Ronan and beyond that Flathead Lake. And so it's all, you know, boxed in with with Highway 2 there. It's a lot of land. And it was previously owned by uh, by various timber companies who have always allowed members of the public to hunt and fish and berry pick and ride their bikes and do whatever. Um, the public wants to to do in terms of recreational access for decades. So this spanning generations of Flathead Valley families, they've enjoyed this area. They've been driving up to Hubbard Reservoir with their campers and basically doing this through a handshake agreement with the various timber companies who said, you know, we're going to log this. We're going to manage this land. There's a stone quarry out there. We're going to extract the natural resources that are that are ours because this is private private company. This is a, this is private under private ownership, but we'll let you live your Montana way of life. Well, every time there's a new land sale, that is jeopardized. Then that future is jeopardized. And so and so with this most recent sale and with the succession of sales that have been occurring since 2015, that question has really has really become more pointed. You say that the in the past it had been handshake agreements. The Joneses, for now at least, say they will continue to to honor basically those handshake agreements. What could have been done, or what can be done, to do something a little more formal, so that it's not just a, a handshake agreement going forward? Because I think that would give obviously great peace of mind to the people who who want to recreate and continue to do so in those areas. Right. And there are several mechanisms to formalize that agreement. And and there's a lot of examples on land parcels surrounding the the land that we're talking about right now. And one of those mechanisms is called a conservation easement, where the land is a private 
landowner sells the land outright at fair market value to generally a cooperation of either a land management agency and a nonprofit land advocacy group, of which there are quite a few in Montana. And then that land is managed under a conservation easement where private development is barred in perpetuity. So the land, the wildlife habitat, the trees, the forest, the water, that's all protected forever. But the landowner can do certain things. They can continue to manage it for for timber. So uh, a lot of timber companies will enter into a conservation easement where they'll continue to manage that that forest. And there will be, you know, there'll be sidebars on how much they can produce and where they can log. So that that that's one that's one mechanism. And generally, those conservation easements also allow for a measure of public access. And so that sort of not only does it protect wildlife habitat, but it also allows people to continue to to hunt and fish so long as they subscribe to the state the state's hunt fish and game laws. We've we've sort of alluded to this a few times, but what did the Joneses say their intention is with this property? Because as you say, it's a it's a it's a difficult to fathom amount of land. It's not something that just, you know, one family will recreate on. It's it's enormous. So what at this point do you understand their intention to be for now and, and even into the future? Right. It's a lot it's a lot of responsibility to to hang on a handshake. And so so one another mechanism that has allowed access to the public on a lot of this private timberland, this corporate timberland through the years, is an agreement, a cooperative access agreement with Fish and Game, and that's Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and th- that's called the Block Management Program, and it allows private landowners to actually enroll a portion of their land into this program where. Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks will enforce the fish and game laws in exchange for the landowner allowing access. And that's something that they, they basically sign a contract, and at the end of the year, or at the end of the hunting season, then, then they, they have to renew that as long as they're, they're willing. So it's not a permanent protection like what we receive through conservation easements. Now, what the Joneses have done is say, you know, we've started having conversations with the top officials at Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks, and we're considering enrolling a portion and maybe a good, good sized portion of this land into that program. They haven't committed to that. And the reason is because this land under these handshake agreements has been it's been hunted and fished and just like it's been, you know, logged and, and quarried, but it's also been, it's also been abused. You know, it's been a dumping ground. There are, there's a beautiful Canyon above Hubbard reservoir where people for years have, have junked vehicles, you know, for fun, um, driven vehicles off the, off the cliff and they've just hung there in the rocks and been really difficult to get out. And the Jones family has actually extracted one of those, one of those vehicles but they're still willing to consider entering into this agreement, but they're really encouraging the public to sort of not take for granted the access that they've for generations now enjoyed for free. The, you know, the, the other options for somebody like the Joneses uh, would be to, to enter into a conservation easement. So to take a portion of that land and say, this is still our land, but we're, you know, we're going to commit to not developing it. For real estate. Now, they also haven't said that they're not going to 
you know, that they're not going to sell any of these parcels for development. But what they did say was that this is going to be, this is a family legacy investment. We're not doing this to create a resort. We're not doing this to get rich. This is apart from our business portfolio, which as you can imagine is already quite textured. And so right now we're sort of just taking this all, you know, on a whisper and a prayer, but it sounds like based on what they've said and what FWP said that they have begun these conversations and probably at some point in the near future we'll hear what the actual what the actual agreement is going to look like. Well, Tristan, I'm sure you will continue to be monitoring this story closely and, and folks can catch all the latest uh, in the beacon and on our website. But encourage everyone to check out This Land is Whose Land, a great rundown of conservation efforts in the last few years and and all of your work on this topic. Thank you very much for uh, sharing some of your insight here. Thanks, Andy. Thanks again to Tristan for sharing with us all that he knows. And you can go online right now at flatheadbeacon.com to read his coverage or pick up a copy of this week's Beacon, which is available for free throughout Northwest Montana. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, February 16th. Governor Greg Gianforte made good on a promise he made at the beginning of his term, and he repealed the statewide mask mandate on Friday. Back in July, former Governor Steve Bullock ordered all Montanans wear a face covering indoors and outside when social distancing could not be maintained, on the recommendations of health experts in an effort to curb the spread of COVID-19. Gianforte took office in January and had said several times he looked forward to throwing his mask in the trash, but that he would not repeal the mandate until businesses could be provided liability protections against COVID-related lawsuits and a safe number of Montanans were vaccinated. The governor signed into law a bill offering the liability protections on Wednesday, and he lifted the mandate two days later, despite the fact that less than 5% of the state's population had been vaccinated. Flathead City County Health Officer Joe Russell called the governor's decision a, quote, gut punch and warned that he wouldn't feel safe unmasked in public until at least 60% of the community was immunized. In that same vein, Russell sent a letter to school superintendents in the county strongly urging a mask mandate be maintained in school buildings. And last week, superintendents in Flathead County and throughout northwest Montana moved unanimously to keep those mask requirements in place. At the time of this recording, nearly 3,700 Flathead County residents have been fully immunized against COVID-19, and more than 12,000 total vaccine doses had been distributed. More than 11,000 county residents have tested positive for COVID-19 since the pandemic began, and 74 people have died. In other news, Whitefish-based Potter's Field Ministries has paid more than $121,000 in back pay to former employees two years after the nonprofit Mudman Burgers restaurants they operated broke federal labor laws. The Montana Department of Labor and Industry conducted an investigation in 2019 after several former employees complained about their treatment at the restaurants, alleging they were hired as interns and made to work more than 60 hours per week 
donating their, quote, time and energies to serve God as an act of sacrifice and worship. They also alleged verbal abuse from the ministry's founders, Mike and Pam Roselle. The restaurants closed in 2019, but the Columbia Falls and Kalispell locations have since reopened as for-profit businesses. And finally, a fundraising campaign to build a new library in Big Fork reached a major milestone late last year. The Imagine If Library Foundation announced they had received $560,000 in donations toward the project as of February 11th, well on their way to a stated goal of $1.6 million. Big Fork's current library is just 1,400 square feet, and it's located inside the Big Fork Museum of Art and History downtown. A new 6,000-square-foot space was purchased near Bethany Lutheran Church on Montana Highway 35 in 2018. Renovations at that building will begin once the fundraiser hits $1.1 million, with construction expected to begin in full in 2022. That is our show for this week. You can read more about all of these stories and catch the latest breaking news on our newly redesigned website, flatheadbeacon.com. The new site has even more of the stories my colleagues and I have written over the years, including work from Flathead Living Magazine and Glacier Journal. And best of all, just like the old site, everything there is available to read, listen to, and watch for free no paywalls, and no subscription required. Again, that's flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.